Are you sure you guys want to do this? Yeah, because I saw a posting on a board about someone that needs rats cleared from the cellar. Wouldn't that be better for noobs like us? We don't even know what house put us up to this. Uh, I, I mean, I reckon it's not Cabaretti, considering it's them we're stealing from. We just stick to the plan. This is going to be super easy. What, what was the plan again? Okay, you two are going to enter like normal, and then I'm going to... Do we get codenames? I want to be Rabid Wombat. Oh, can I be Raging Goblin? Stop, guys, you need to take this seriously. If you get made in there, you're dead meat. You hear that? Your codename's dead meat. But I, I don't want to... Can, can he be dead meat? Let's just name ourselves after colors. I'll be Mr. White. I'll be green. Mr. Green. Call me Mr. Pink. Again, you guys just need to enter the party here, mingle, and then wait for the signal. That's this signal? No. It's the record player scratching, remember? It's the distraction. So, so what happens after that? Alright, then I'll rendezvous with my contact at the party, and from there we'll... This is the most important part, guys. Do not forget. The password is Sneaky Weasel. Welcome to Magic Proving Grounds, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that proves Urzan Ajar was the original Zaddy. How's it going today? My faithful co-hosts, Ben. Doing great. Doing great. It's a beautiful day for magic. Mm, I agree. How about you, other Dave? It's also a beautiful day to not do magic. It's just, it's just a beautiful day, then. Just do what you want. Do what yes. you feel. Yes. So uh, what have you guys been doing this week, magic-wise? Or not magic-wise, you know, do what you want. Um, I've been playing some Pioneer. Turns out not a lot of people play Pioneer. And also... <laughs> Turns out. I thought we... <laughs> Established that fact a while ago. Yeah, well, I I got some, I got some cards and paper, and I thought, oh, I'll just find some people to play Pioneer, and nobody plays Pioneer. They were starting to do them at my local card shop, but I guess they erased the Pioneer events off the wall. So I think they gave up on it. But I do think that it's going to be a format that takes off eventually. So I've just been playing with my family. I think as it comes to arena. It will become more accessible, and as it becomes more accessible, more people will watch it, and the more people who watch it, the more people get interested in it. It, it will snowball and become an event, but right now, nobody gets I think if you want a, a game of Pioneer, you have to go to a prairie and look for a guy in a straw hat pushing a handcart west. <laughs> I think that's the only viable solution to your conundrum. Hmm. I would get a pickup game in the alley? No, it's the prairies, man. That's where Pioneers hang out. Oh right, right, always, right! Always going west. You gotta go to the prairie. Anyways, uh, what were you? What have you been up to, other Dave? Well, I, I did want to talk a little bit more about Pioneer, uh, just to kind of push of the format. Nobody because... else in the world wants to talk about Pioneer except for you. Hey, I'm on the cusp of uh, greatness, I guess. I'm I'm early adopter. Uh, it's for easy the past to be great when, there, when there's only three other people playing the format. <laughs> Hey, so I think I think three other people you're in first place. One one of the common things that I hear from people about regarding Pioneer is it's modern light diet modern or something like that. Like it's not as good as the modern format. 
And while I can see their point, because Modern goes fast and the power level is high, which people really like playing, it's an entirely different kind of experience. And I don't think that calling it Diet Modern is a good way of describing it. I would I prefer the term super standard because it makes it sound better. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it has the same things that standard has where it's more about pacing yourself, creature interactions, more strategic play, except the power level is higher than and not as stale. Like there's more variety. Has okay. anything that you've been involved in since the pandemic technically been considered a diet? Hey. <laughs> well, I mean, my my 40 extra pounds beg to differ with you. That's just now you need to diet. So, in it, for example, I was playing, well, I, I got to give her credit. My wife was playing a mono green pioneer deck. And on turn three, she was making 11 mana and put some huge creatures on the board. And I was like, oh, boy, there's some cool stuff you can do with it. There's just Anyways, not as out. much cool stuff that you can do. Yeah. And everybody is like, oh, I'm kind of sick of modern. Like everybody in my, not everybody, but there's some people in my place. Oh, no, that's that are, everywhere. I'm so sick um, of modern. It's so stagnated. It's so da da da. And then you mentioned pioneer and they're like, well, I don't know. Nobody plays it. And like, but you could play it and then you would not yeah. have the problem of being stagnant. You know, uh, that That is everywhere. A lot of that, I think it is just stubbornness. Like once you invest the money to get into pop modern, yeah, you can get tired of it, but it's hard to justify anything else because you're so invested. Right. And on top of that, you don't have enough money to buy a new deck to change it up. So that your play circle stagnates because everybody has one or two modern decks and they can't change it up because that would cost them a thousand dollars or whatever you know yeah it's i think it's a mix of both of those things where i've spent money on this i want to play this but it's stale and i can't buy new cards so i'm just going to continue to play this nobody wants a crusty meta nobody wants crusty anything really except pizza hey and pie man pie yeah i guess crusty pie good i'm I'm not a big fan of the pie crust hey you just never had good pie crust anyways that's probably true is there this is the question i'm sure everybody listening wants to know is there a mono red aggro deck in pioneer and how does it compare to the one that's in modern so there's a mono red deck that uses the same prowess idea as the one in modern the one in modern is boros so white and red Whereas the one in Pioneer is just mono red. Um, so you're missing the benefits that the Boros colors give you. Just because some of the cards aren't legal, it's not enough to splash that extra color. So, uh, But it's the same idea. You're missing lightning bolts, of course. But they, over the years, they've printed man. cards that do three or four damage for one mana. But you get different downsides. But the power level is just as high uh, it, it comparatively in the meta. like... In modern, the Boros red deck is second most used deck right now, or maybe third or fourth, but it's second in Pioneer, so it is very viable. I still believe that Lightning Bolt is one of the best cards ever printed. I have to agree with you as well. Oh, you guys know I agree. (laughs) All about the Lightning Bolt. Yeah, no no qualms there. And I think they know it, and that's why they try to keep it out of standard nowadays. The last reprint was like a Master Set or something, or a Modern Only. Technically, it was Strixhaven, which aren't legal except in the uh, the way that they were originally printed. So it's not like an it's not standard uh, just because it was in Strixhaven's Mystical uh, Archives. Uh, the last standard reprint was in Zendikar. Original Zendikar. Yep, that was a long time ago. So yeah, it's mm. not in Pioneer either. Obviously, many moons ago. 
Yes, very good card. I'm going to get the original Christopher Rush lightning bolt tattooed on my chest. What do you guys think? It's the best one. I do not agree that it is the best lightning bolt. I think the best lightning bolt, uh, back when they did rewards, they did a full art lightning bolt. That is my favorite version of lightning bolt, but it is somewhat hard to find. We'll start a poll. Um, Twitter Twitter thread <laughs> coming up soon. Which is better, this lightning bolt or that lightning bolt? I'm trying to look it up. Full art. Oh, the 2018 Magic Fest lightning bolt? No, the or 2001. Magic, 2001 Magic Lightning Bolt Rewards. Got it. 1850. Oh, that is a pretty cool lightning bolt. There's like a dude just hanging out in the, getting yeah. in the middle, middle of the air. That is cool. Anyways, so are we done talking Pioneer? Because I never got to tell everybody what I did this week. And I'm a little oh. salty that we seem to have moved we, on. Oh, we, we, were should just have talking, we should have stopped talking about Pioneer 10 minutes ago. Hey, it's going to be good. Or it is good, but it's going to catch on. So what have you been doing, host Dave? What I've been doing this week is uh, just playing Magic on Arena on my phone mostly because I'm too lazy to walk to my computer. Hey, it's convenience. Anyway, so this week I was decided I was going to check out some of the constructed events, especially now that they provide playpoints. I was like, I want to test this uh, mono red deck I always talk about against the... uh, the meta that those events generate because you know the ladders it's not the same so right i go and i'm like i don't have time because i'm like literally like sitting in the car joining this event while my wife's in in the store so i was like i don't have time for best of three but i'll join one of the the best of one events and i'm looking they're not labeled really clearly which ones are the best of one events yeah. so i pull up one and it's like this one's best of three and i'm like ah dang okay so i go to another one and i look at it focused on seeing if this is best of one doesn't say best of one, but I'm like, eh, it's probably not best of three, so it has to be best of one. Join it, and I'm like, two games in, and then suddenly somebody starts casting Fateless Looting, and I'm like, I thought that card wasn't in Explore. Uh-oh, you did historic. Was I, was I wrong? Did I, did I say something wrong on the last podcast? Do I look like a fool to the entire internet and did not realize it? And so I, like, beat that one, barely. So I run my first two matches. Take another, uh, and then after that, I look and it's historic, and I'm like, "How did I accidentally join a historic from the uh, hopper for event or explorer?" Yeah, with my explorer deck. This is going to go do? poorly. Uh, I won one more game and then lost out, so I went like fifty fifty win rate. Three Can't wins, be that bad. Three losses. Yeah. It's not too shabby. So yeah. after that, like a couple of days later, I joined the actual explorer event. Goose egg did. I don't know what happened. Oh, apparently really? it's a yeah. Apparently it's a better historic deck than it is a uh, explorer <laughs> deck. If that makes any sense, that's weird. But hey, it could have just been your people you played against. Figured it out. See, you played during the day when everybody with jobs is at work, and then you're just playing like snot and those little kids. I ain't got nothing better to do. That's supposed to and be. And then you win. Hey, I didn't say it was a good theory. <laughs> it's just a theory. Anyways, that was my adventures this week. Well, at least you Maybe. got some magic in. That's good. Yeah. Well, I was also doing the Q. Even if it wasn't, the, uh, it wasn't what you wanted. Some magic in too. Trounced both of you this week. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that, that in the yeah, challenge yeah. section. No, no need I'm to brag up ahead. Yeah. Spoilers, man. Come on. People are anxiously waiting, anxiously waiting for this, and you're just giving it to them up front. They're not going to listen to the end of the podcast. Yeah. Well, I guess they don't know how bad he beat us. How about let's do some news? I don't know. It was kind of light this week, but we'll we'll hit a couple points, I guess. Doesn't seem that light. I mean, there's some decent teasers at least. Yes, the upcoming hype cycle is starting. Let's talk about our first 
news story, the arena open. Why don't you uh, do that story? Give us the rundown. Oh, I just put this in here because they we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where they were starting the play-in events and the kind of lead into the Pro Tour, and that seems to be coming up too. So the May, arena open 14 and 15 of May. The more interesting thing about this uh, would be the first qualifier play-in event that comes on the 21st. It was in the same announcement. New Capenna sealed matches that you can win play-in points to qualify for the $200,000 Arena Championship, which then gets you to the Pro Tour. So they're starting that up. If you want to get on the ground floor, make sure you hit that up, try to qualify. Yeah, so... How much does um, it cost this- to get into the one this weekend again? Is it the 20000 coins or how many gems uh this is the one is this the the one that you do play in points for so the may 14th and 15th one is a separate thing um but it is twenty five thousand gold or five thousand gems it's best of one or best of three two you can get invited to day two by winning out in those categories we should also point out that the uh, day one event is streets of capenna sealed and a day two is uh, streets of capenna player draft my question is, other Dave, can we talk you into uh, running this uh, this event and letting us know how it went on the fourteenth of point for it right now? But I do have a decent chunk of gems that I have saved up through drafting. Hmm. I'm going to say fifty fifty at this point. It's going to come down to how much free time I have this weekend. I'm not going to jump yeah, into it. If I'm not going to have uh, yeah the time to dedicate to a tournament. Yeah, you're usually really busy on the weekends. We understand that. If you do decide and you find the time, definitely let us know how this goes. The prize pool for this particular one looks like prizes up to $2,500. Is that the the pool overall? So on day two, when you do the traditional draft best of three, if you get six wins, you win $1,000. If you get seven wins, you win $2,000. You get eight wins, you win $2,500. And below that's gems. I mean, that's pretty good. Is there is there scaling gem rewards based on your wins on day one? If you're doing a best of one sealed, you get 1,000 gems for five wins, 2,500 gems for six wins, and then seven wins you get 5,000 gems and a day two invitation. On day one for the sealed best of three, uh, one win gets you 1,500 gems, two wins gets you 3,000 gems. Three wins is 5,000, and four wins is 6,000, and the invitation to day two. Okay. Yep, so tournament season's starting up, and then they will do the play-in event, which gets you play points for the Pro Tour on the 21st. All right, so that's the Open. Let's talk about my personal favorite topic, Commander, and some of the new Commander set spoilers. We're going to go over that. You guys want to go over that? Sure. You can have some spoilers. There's a little treat. It's, it's certainly more relevant than Pioneer. <laughs> that's that's oh, actually man. factual. Everything's Commander now, man. Everything's Commander, baby. They put Commander in the set boosters of regular sets, and they make their own sets that are only Commander. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty popular. Really, just everything is buyback now. Buyback? The mechanic oh, no. and magic? <laughs> no, it's everything's kicker, really. Oh, okay. Kicker, my bad. That's the meme that all mechanics are actually just kicker. They had a command zone live previewing on a podcast that Wizard does, or, well, it's a stream called the command zone. 
uh, where they previewed a card from the upcoming Baldur's Gate Commander set. Mm. The one that they previewed looks to be a card that is meant to be a commander. It is Zevlor Elchurel Exile. One colorless, a blue, a black, a red. Legendary creature, tiefling warrior. It's a 4-2 with haste. Pay two, tap. When you next cast an instant or a sorcery spell that targets a single opponent or a single permanent, an opponent controls this turn. For each other opponent, choose that player or a permanent they control. Copy that spell. And the copy targets the chosen player or permanent. That's the spoiler. That's a lot of words. What does it do? It's kicker. Explain it to me like I'm in kindergarten. It's basically kicker. So (laughs) you can lay this out and tap it immediately for two mana. You cast it on one person and it copies the spell and you get to cast it on the other person. And you can choose new targets that they own, essentially. I was going to say it's a great commander for uh, if you want everyone to target you. Yes, that's exactly right. I cast duress and I hit all of you. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's essentially what it does. Yes. Yeah. No. It's gonna. Yeah. It's gonna make people mad. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Well, we need to get this guy out of the game." Yeah. No. Nope. Paint the target on your back. They're all coming for you. Yeah. For two extra mana, it's kind of. I mean, this seems powerful, but again, I'm not sure I would play this because then you're gonna get targeted. You better have a really good deck. Do you know how Karn works in Commander? You search a card like or wishing, right? You search for a card uh-huh. outside of the game. How does that work in Commander? I don't think it works at all. You can't do that at all? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't believe so. Because the way it works in other tournaments is you can only search for sub- sideboard. You don't have a sideboard in Commander, so. Yep, you're right. Wishes are non functional in Commander, unless your yeah. play group specifically allows them. So Karn is basically pointless in Commander. That's why he's not $80, I guess. Yeah. He's not relevant in Commander, therefore he's not worth the money. No, I'm serious. Like Commander cards, cards that are Commander staples are higher no, in right. price. You're right. I understand that. I just it disgusts me. That's yeah. all. Which is weird because it's kind of counterintuitive because they only need one yeah. you only need one copy instead of four, so you think that that's not going to go up in price, but if everybody puts it in their Commander deck then Shows you just how popular Commander actually is. Yeah, it's just another form of increased demand. Ben, you're familiar with Baldur's Gate lore. Do you know this person? Nope. Not that familiar, apparently. You see, you talk If his name him, isn't Dritz or Bruner, yeah. Ben doesn't know who he is. I do know some of the other characters, okay? I'm a Wolfgard stan. <laughs> I mean, Wolfgard's not bad. I'm all about Regis. I just want to eat all the time. Carfwood. Nom, nom, nom. I, I'm really a Kinder fan. Tasselhoff. Tasselhoff Burfoot. That's my dude. He's my hero. And he's not in Baldur's Gate, so... Meh. Mm, okay, I, so... That, that book's getting... They're making more books. I know, I need to read them. Oh, I, 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 I stopped reading Dragonlance, by the way. Orcs. Oh, I was talking about Forgotten Realms. Yeah, they're making more of those, too. But... Specifically, Dragonlance, I'm excited about. I'm those, kind of excited about Dragonlance. I didn't know that. Those Dritz just books now. just keep getting better, too. I'm almost up to date. I'm like one or two books behind, but they are really Welcome good. to the Forgotten Realms Story Podcast. 
It's relevant. Baldur's Gate is in the film. All right. Let's uh, take some more, look at some more spoilers. No one should be surprised that they're reprinting Lightning Bolt. Nope. Uh, however, you pointed this out earlier, which I think is cool. They're doing the, what's this treatment called? Uh, it's called Showcase officially, but it's more like the old Dungeon Master guide entries. Uh, the art looks like it's from the old source books for D&D. Look like they're printed on a hundred year old paper. They look yeah. really sick. Did I send you the link, or not the link, the picture of the first edition D and D books that came to the comic book store? You did, and it made me sad that I didn't have them because yeah, they looked and sweet. Then, and then Ben Ben sent them to I, me, and there I almost bought them. Almost, yeah. There was there was no banana for scale, and I was like, "What the f- are these? They look like <laughs> cards." And he's like, "Those are source books." Yeah, got to do the banana for scale, or it throws me off. <laughs> um, so, anyway, they have the uh, dungeon guide treatment. Yeah, the, it it was featured in Adventure in Forgotten Realms, the standard set. So it's the same kind of treatment for, but for different cards in this set. I love those mm, yes. art. I think they're cool. I liked getting I the, those cool cards. Too. Guess that's my pick for cards of uh, the Commander spoiler so far. You know, oh, Faithful Lightning Bolt. But they've also got Fireball Hero. Everybody knows what Fireball is. Yeah. Uh, and it's also got a, a Dungeon Master's treatment on it. So that's cool. Anything catching your eye that you'd like to talk about other day? Not particularly, no. I will say that they're... Uh, reading the couple spoilers that they do have that aren't lands, they are leaning heavily into the roll a d20, which absolutely 100% makes sense. I'm not cracking on them for going that route. I just don't prefer that play style. Although in Commander, it might be a little better. I think that if you're going to put that play style anywhere, a Commander set would be where it was real good. Yeah. Unless you do an unset. It's kind of annoying when when you're playing a game of standard and you're like, okay, now I'm venturing into the dungeon. I don't like anything with dice rolls, like anything where it's going to be left up to luck, yeah. especially when the, it's like the extreme dice rolls where like there's an effect on there where like if you roll a 20, it completely breaks the game in your favor. I'm like, ah, right. Because then when that happens to you, you're just like, man, I don't like you. Yeah. Leave that for D&D. The dice rolling stay in D&D. I'm OK not having it in my magic. I don't mind dice rolling every once in a while, but oh, I would get on my nerves if that's all you did. In a casual, like if I was playing against you guys, just like whatever, I, it wouldn't bother me. But in a tournament where the game can break one way or another based on a die roll, I don't like it when things are left up to chance. And I understand yeah. that magic in and of itself is a game of chance because you're drawing a card. You do not know what you're drawing. But at, at that uh-huh. same point, though, the, the draw of magic is in constructed play is to make your deck as efficient as possible to balance it in a way that you can predict what's going to happen. You know, like that's why you get four copies of a card. There's it's numbers and percentages, right? So you're limiting the RNG by the way you build your deck. And then you're reintroducing RNG with the cards. It's kind of at odds with the whole idea of magic. I don't don't like my my magic left up to chance. It's really hard to build a deck to minimize dice roll random. Right. I'm okay with it being in commander, I suppose, because it's like kitchen table magic or whatever. Just playing Mm. with friends. Yeah, I wouldn't want these that mechanic in a constructed tournament format. No, I think it's real good here. It might be okay in a limited format. I didn't do limited during Adventures of Forgotten Realms, but it might be fine. You're like, oh, I didn't I, get the best cards, but some of them are dice rollies, so I could, you know, steal some games with this. Yeah, I did a little bit of it 
it can still kind of break in a situation. You know, it can turn the tides in a way, but a lot of things in limited can turn the tides. So it doesn't feel as ridiculous. Yeah. That's kind of how I imagined it. Yeah. Uh, are they reprinting the Battleborn lands? Is that what this is? Which ones? On Sea Cloud, Spire Garden. Yeah. The ones that are definitely commander focused because they tap unless you have two or more opponents. So. It's, uh, these are nice lands to have in a commander deck. They are, however, really spendy. Uh, really? Anthony, but, oh, well, they might uh, see if uh, I have some of those because I might actually have uh, some of those. They're like, uh, they're listed at like 30 bucks. That's spendy for me, huh? I'm sure you could find different yeah. lands. But you yeah. only need one of them. That's true. But then I mean, if you're doing it like one collar, two collar, obviously. Yeah. You just need one. If you're doing like three, you want the, your Tiamat Dragon deck. Yeah, don't do the five color. That's where. Honestly, that's, that's probably why the they're. That's probably why they're so expensive. Because in addition, because you probably run Shocklands also. In addition, because you can only have one copy. So to get up, you probably run like Fastland, one of the Fastlands, one of the Slowlands, one of the Shocklands, one of these Commander Lands. Yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. why they're so expensive. Because you kind of need them to. <laughs> but I would probably just not. And be more casual yeah, with it. I don't run shocklands in any of my stuff. So. All shocklands yeah. all the time, baby. Yeah. And speaking of lands, I I'm very surprised at the difference in pioneer land um, content versus modern. Sorry to beat the pioneer drum again. Oh, it's just without the fetch lands. I, it's, I say fetches changed the game entirely. Mark Rosewater yeah. himself has said that fetches were the biggest mistake Magic has ever made. Yeah, and and, it's, and really think about the cards that have come out and broken magic. And the head designer thinks that fetch lands <laughs> are the biggest mistake they've ever made. Oh yeah, I mean I can see it because it, like modern is definitely defined by those lands. Uh, there's a running joke that everybody should just start with run land on the board and seventeen life because that's literally what happens the first turn. Yeah, you fetch and shock, and it it gives you four basically four different colors you can search for, and allows mm-hmm. you to reach four different colors. Very fast. Very easily. What was, was kind of cool about Pioneer is that you didn't have the fetch lands. So I'm actually taken aback on how much the pathways are showing up and like useful. Because when I first saw the pathways, I said, this is really neat. But I'm not sure that playing one or the other is better than just having a land that's dual, right? Because like with a pathway, you choose to lay down a green tapping mana or a red tapping mana land, right? One or the other. But with a dual land, <laughs> you get both whichever one you want at the time um so it kind of surprised me that the the solution that they're finding in pioneer is to use a lot of pathways which makes sense but i i'm just they've they've shot up in price over the last couple months because pioneer's picking up they were like three dollar cards and now they're like 15 black green one must not be 15 uh the one that's actually 15 is the red the white blue one yeah the hinge gate pathway azorius control the, yeah, the rest of them are between 5 and $10. And then that one for, yeah, for Azorius colors is higher. Because I think, I think me and you, uh, other Dave, we were talking when they first came out or when I first started buying Magic cards. I was like, oh, these, these lands are interesting. And you're like, I don't expect them to really be worth much after they rotate out of standard because they won't be used in modern. Um, that wasn't really accounting yeah, for Pioneer. What- yeah. I was of the same opinion. I did not think that they would be valuable once they left uh, standard because they're so limiting once you put them on the yep. field. It's not like the other dual lands. 
Yes, but what's the intrinsic value of getting to pick which mana you put on the, the board without having to shuffle? It's it's better. Well, seriously, though, it's better than just drawing an island if you can choose to put an island or a forest down. But yeah. again, there's not, there's many games where I've picked the wrong one because I needed it at that time. And I was like, I should have picked the other one, you know. So it's inherently it's worse than dual lands in general, but you don't have the fetch lands to go get your shock lands consistently in Pioneer. So they settle for one or the other. Yes. And like I was saying, you don't have to stand there and watch your opponent shuffle his deck for the ninth time. Yes. There is not as much shuffling for sure. But again, that's a strategy in modern all itself. Like knowing what's coming up and then shuffling it away. If you don't want it with your fetch land, modern is kind of crazy. No problems. And that Alice song goes. Yeah. Every day I'm shuffling. Oh, I said more shuffling, more problems. Yeah, either one. Yeah, that shouldn't be a viable strategy, in my humble opinion. Um, (laughs) Well, it definitely is. This concludes Pioneer Corner with Benoit. With Ben will find a reason to bring it back again. I'm excited Um, about it, okay? He's very excited. Uh, Let's talk about Commander. Well, you'll eat your words because one day you'll be playing Commander and be like, oh, this is a really good format. One, then is going to make commander. Oh, sorry, no, uh, pioneer. We're talking about commander now, man. Oh, are we? I didn't, say, commander? I didn't, I didn't say it wasn't going to be a good format. I said right now it's not. I'm, I'm trying to push it back to pioneer. I'm talking about commander. Okay, look, commander fest mm-hmm. coming up. That it is, as the as the name would imply, it's a festival celebrating the format commander also known as Elder Dragon Highlander. You guys interested in attending the thing you guys are... So we would pack up our stuff and pioneer across the country to go to the event, right? That's the idea? See, I I was down for Commander Fest when I thought it was a festival celebrating Julius Caesar. <laughs> you like to backstab people, so I'm just, that's why you'd like to get close to Caesar, huh? I'm not trying to get close to him. I'm trying to celebrate him. Stab him in the back. Are you done? Sure. So, so, in North America, when are these dates? Uh, let's see. I only know the two that I could possibly drive to. Everybody else is on their own. But Yeah, so there's, there's a list of the uh, dates on the internet. June 3rd through 5th, it kicks off in Richmond, Virginia, with the release of the Baldur's Gate set. And then every few days after that until end of so, July. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't like large crowds, but I'm like, strongly considering going to one of these i think it'd be cool do some stuff see what kind of events are they doing Four player casual events uh mystery booster convention edition sealed that's not commander (laughs) no it might be because it's it's a mystery well so the commander legends Baldur's gate are going to be draft packs for commander they'll come with 20 cards i think and then you draft them for a commander. You build a sixty-card commander deck. Oh yeah, they're uh, they do they're having uh, that kind of stuff too. They're doing the Commander Legends Baldergate pre-release, but the the Mystery Booster Convention Edition sealed is sixteen thousand cards from the history of Magic: The Gathering converge in a booster convention edition. Open six booster draft packs to make the best deck you can to battle in this chaotic format. So this is basically a chaos draft. Oh, 
And you give the cards back, I'm assuming. No, it's 50 bucks, man. Really? You get to keep the cards you draft? That's cool. Yeah. They're like, they make, they started doing this. Like, when did they start doing this? The other day? It's been a while. I feel like this was a, uh, a pre. Yeah. I, I want to say it's been around like five or six years, maybe. Yeah. This feels. I feel like it was a pre-pandemic thing, but it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a pre-pandemic thing. I'm just not sure how much before. the pandemic has warped my sense of time. Yeah, me too. It's hard to remember the before times. That looks fun. I guess it's not commander-like, but you know, not everything has to be about commander. I don't know. I'm not one for conventions, but this is piquing my interest. So keep everybody informed about whether I might go to one. You guys want to come with me? Yeah, it's possible. Depends on what else I got going on that day. I'm Those days. You just be non-committal. It's how, that's how you run a happy life. Hopefully you don't bring something back home with you. Yes. It's not Vegas anymore. We're yeah, too globalized. Come back to you. I'm not referring to the clap, Ben. <laughs> Although I suppose that is something else that you could bring home with you that you don't want. Yeah, because you know, everybody knows that conventions like that have the seedy underbelly. There's oh, like yeah. separate hotels oh, yeah. that everybody goes to oh, afterwards yeah. in their fur costumes. Mm-hmm. Why do you think I went to one in 2008? You joined the After Hours Club. It was actually really strange because uh, there was also an anime convention nearby at the same time. And so, like, a lot of the hotels had both these groups of, like, magic players that dressed up as, you know, characters from magic and then anime characters. <laughs> it was like being in this surreal, mashed-up, fictional world. Anything goes here. Except, <laughs> so I turn the corner and there they are, the scouts from Attack on Titan facing off against Gideon in the Gatewatch. Well, Attack on Titan hadn't come out yet. It was more like watching 14 Naruto's talk to Urza. Doing the run at Urza. <laughs> lots, of, lots of Goku's. Anyways, our last little bit of news and maybe some discussion we can get out of this that's more entertaining than Goku. I don't um, know. There's not a lot. <laughs> I can't believe you just said his name with such disdain. I've never heard you say anything with the amount of disdain you just said Goku. Goku. Goku's pretty entertaining. Like he's, he's your nemesis. It's it's like he like cuckolded you Look, or something. You can only hear so many people argue about whether Goku and Superman can win in a fight before it starts to get on your nerves. <laughs> See, that's there. the moment you start cutting people out of your lives. I'm better off without you. <laughs> exactly. So let's move on. Wizards just to the part where we're going to discuss who's better, Goku or Superman. Look, the real answer <laughs> to that question is One Punch Man. I'm just going to put that out there and then we're going to move on. I mean, Goku has better hair. That's true. He definitely wins best hair award. I didn't realize we were having a hair fight. I thought it was an actual fight. Yeah. Well, you were wrong. Style. He's got it. Like, Superman don't got style. Goku's got it in style. I mean, he spends in, an entire episode charging up a... In, ah! in 10 years, in 10 years, Goku will be a zaddy. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, what's that mean? I forgot. Seriously, <laughs> though, let's move on. Wizards announced in a tweet today they're doing a... I don't know. Would you call it a hype stream? I'd call it a hype stream. Sure. Yes. It's this Thursday, May 12th. They're going to be talking about some upcoming sets and I don't know, giving spoilers, I guess. I don't, they, they were very un, 
uninformative. Um, yeah, they're going to discuss. It's a teaser for a teaser. It's a teaser for a teaser. Yeah, they're teasing mm. that they're broadcasting a teaser for these three sets. Did they just get me. Did I got got? No, uh, <laughs> no. Seriously though, um, I guess what I wanted to talk about is these sets are coming out here. I assume before the end of the year, because uh, Dominaria United is one of the ones that they featured. If I'm not mistaken, comes out in September. And then I assume Warhammer will be the winner set, the, like the end of the year set. Anyways. Well, because well, isn't Black Brothers War coming before that? or is No, I think Brother War, Brothers War is going to be the February oh. standard set. The thing, the things that the, the, the other two sets have that are not like Dominaria United is that they're not standard sets. The stats being Warhammer, which is the their uh, Warhammer 4K. I think Warhammer 40K is a commander. 40K is it a commander? But it's um, the, well, are we they're going to have commander decks. Well, yes, that's the whole point we're talking about. This I thought. So there will be decks released that are commander decks. It doesn't say yeah, it says just, sets expected to be released late 2022, but it doesn't specify it's one or the other. So I guess it's possible that it is a regular standard set that just it's has... Not, uh, it, it's not a standard set, man. Here well, they have to have one between that and the Brothers War. If the Brothers War is not until February, there'll be one in September, one in November, and then one in February. What? September, October? Okay. Yeah, it's not a I full three months. months so this could be a standard set then is what you're saying? Probably. Maybe. You know, they have a timeline on their website. I don't know why we're not looking at that. Yeah, we should probably do that. I prefer the version where you guys just yell at each other until <laughs> months don't do anything anymore. I just don't know why they would go from Dominaria to Warhammer back to Dominaria. That sounds silly. I don't know why. Well, they I mean, those, out. those side sets are supposed to just come out in between stuff, right? Like, well, didn't they say mm-hmm. the same thing was going to happen with the Lord of Rings? Yeah, like this is a universes beyond set. It would be weird I if thought it was all those standard. Beyond yeah, so everything I'm reading is Brother Ward's supposed to come out in 2022. So this might be an off supplement of some sort. This is the first I'm hearing of the Warhammer one, so who knows? Guess we should tune into the stream and find out what the hell's going on. The the real reason I brought this up is these is this is everything that's coming out before the end of the year, and that's a lot of magic. I still think that's, the Brothers War is coming out before the end of the year. What I'm getting at is even if you are correct and that is true. It makes my point for me and that this is a lot of magic. Not one, not two, but three upcoming sets. So they didn't really say the next three sets. They didn't really say. So Warhammer 40K is the the wild card here. Because I think they've already previously announced the Double Masters and the Dominaria United. So we don't know much about the 40K. So we've got Double Masters, which is a master set. It's been doubled. Sure. No, seriously, though, uh, other Dave, you, you weren't pulling my leg when you said that they were double rares in the double set, or were you just pulling my leg? No, that's true. The, the double right. master set that they did before had two rares in it. I just wanted double to masters packs also contained two guaranteed foils in addition Ooh, to two mm. rares. Those can be uncommons and commons. Right. Most likely that's what they're going to be, but... Two guaranteed foils, two guaranteed rares. I just prefer, prefer not to have foils at all. Just leave them out. So back to your foil point in a second, because I think you're going somewhere. I just want to clarify this in terms I understand. What you're telling me, other Dave, is that a booster pack of double masters is the equivalent to a 
McDonald's double cheeseburger. You get the two all beef patties and the two slices of cheese, or right. if you will, the two rares and two foils. Yeah, not to be confused with the McDouble where they took away a foil. Yeah. Uh, it's also 30 cents cheaper or whatever. But the cost also, of the is. McDonald's tastes bad. Just like magic cards. <laughs> Go so figure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apt bring comparison, in. man. That's so do it's you like want to. Both, both of them will leave a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> I'm excited for Double of Masters. Um, as a modern player, I think that. I don't know. The general consensus with modern people are that double masters are good. They print a lot of cards, which then make buying those more affordable. And then even if you don't buy the packs, you can pick them up secondhand for cheaper than you would have before the release of double masters. So any, any predictions on what they're going to print in double masters? All of the pioneer staples in double masters to force people into pioneer. Do it guys. You'll like it. I promise. They're not going to do that because, uh, then people just won't buy it. I would like to see the other side of the fetch lands. So in Modern Horizons 2, they printed they printed the original Zendikar fetch lands that are uh, the enemy colors, but they did not print the Cons of Tarkir lands, which are the allied colors. So if they reprint those, then that would help bring the price back down to around $20 instead of 50 or 60 and that would help the modern format in general. I don't know why, but I feel like they're not going to want to do that in a double master set. Probably not. Some people said they might print the other half of the lands that came out in the Modern Horizons 1, uh, which were the sacrifice draw card, like Sunbaked Canyon, but the other half of those. Yeah. Some people are predicting that. Usually they have a unique land, or not a unique, but a, they reprint a set of lands in these master sets, so I'm just hoping for the other fetches. If not, they'll save the fetches for Modern Horizons 3. I'm going to go with a, uh, a easy prediction. Lightning bolt. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna reprint lightning <laughs> bolt. One hundred percent. How did I know? From Dave. There's a freebie from me. Um, they probably might also uh, reprint Frogmite. I'm gonna go with that one. Oh, actually, it's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a, I got the big big brain. You want some affinity archetype for the draft, man? You know, draft with modern masters. What? I don't think so. Not with two rares in a pack or double masters. That's fun. Fun, right? Specifically, why they say they only put one rare in a pack, and why they created the mythic know. is to keep the draft good. So long as you enjoy it, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, um, let's move on to cover our bootleggers challenge that we did this Monday. We kind of teased it at the top of the show. We cooked up some whiskey in the bathtub. Uh, oh, not yes. that kind of bootlegging. You cook gin. You do gin in the bathtub. Oh, uh, whiskey in a barrel. Okay, fair. Yeah. You make the, the gin in the bathtub, the wine in the toilet, <laughs> and you do the whiskey in the barrel. Just to clarify, it's the back of the toilet, not the bowl of the toilet, right? Well, I hope you haven't been doing it in the front. <laughs> Dude. Sounds like smells a little nutty. <laughs> Anyways, so let's give a breakdown about what happened. I'll talk about the bootleggers challenge. Since it's my bootleggers challenge. So two weeks ago, I presented a challenge where I looked at the card bootlegger stash that gives all lands the ability to tap for a treasure token. And I thought, I bet there's a way to break this or at least make a really good deck around it. So the challenge was who can make the best deck using bootlegger stash. And we played each other and there was a victor. Uh, so do we want to just go and describe the 
the matches. Well, let's do let's do this. Uh, let's go ahead and go. With, I, I, I think I, the loser should have to describe how they lost. That sounds fun. We would just point you to a YouTube archive with the thing, but I messed up on the recording because we did stream this, but I messed up on recording and it also didn't save a VOD. So we're kind of hosed on that. So sorry for anybody that was wanting to watch it not live. Next time, just make sure to watch it live on Twitch at Magic Proving Grounds. You make, you make the loser go first. Okay, so um, I lost because they all cheated, and, and that's my story. No. <laughs> okay, so the deck I made was, as we talked about last week, the Devilish Valet was ma- the, my main finisher. And I got it to go off once. Uh, I, uh, the, what was it? The one game I actually won. Was yeah, talk about your first match first. I, I don't want why, why are you making me... <laughs> there is it's shame. Talk about it he wants to. Okay, fine. I, I just want to talk about the one I like chronology. I okay, look. We don't I'm just going to say this. Other Dave really thought about the meta of this challenge, and his deck was a lot better than mine based on that. We, I played Dave for the first match. It was two games. He took both games, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. He just went, he got wide, did a lot of denial. He had a, uh, what was the freaking card? Proctor something or another? Proctor. To make you pay for triggers. Yep. Activated abilities uh, on activated anything, really. Activated abilities. Yeah. So that really shuts down a, a bootlegger deck. Yeah. Uh, Cause when you go to make your treasure tokens, you got to pay for them. Yeah. And then when you go to make your, your creatures with stimulus package, you got to pay for them. It makes it really sucks the value and the life out of a deck. So, uh, my my real thought with that was, and I, I do want to be clear here, I had two thoughts there. The first was that most of my stuff was kind of expensive, and so I wanted to have something to drop early. It only cost two. And my second thought was that you guys would be playing removal, and he would kind of just act as a way for me to make sure that you weren't killing my Jenny or my Jetmir, because you have to kill the thing. Oh, to tax it, you. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you were playing any removal, so. Hey, I had improvised weapons, which I admit, not the best removal in the in the world, but I thought I was going to be going up against Zorns and stuff. So after I saw your deck list, I was like, ah, probably should have considered something a little bigger. <laughs> Anyways, and then on to Ben, where I was able to take one game. We did three games. Yeah, you took, took game one. one. Took, two. took game one, and then um, I won't point out that I won that game because you mulliganed to five or anything. So No, I wasn't going to like I wasn't going <laughs> to gloat on that fact. Yeah, that was my game. I was out real early. Uh, so how did you beat me in game one? Uh, or do you I want me to tell him or do you want to tell him? Um, I was able to like turn, what was it, like 40-something treasure tokens into citizens and hit you with like a 2 million, two, yeah, 2 million power devilish ballet. 2 million power, 3 toughness with yeah. trample. Yeah, good stuff. If you ask me, a million of that should have trampled over into game two. <laughs> That's the mega trample. The next evergreen ability. And then I guess I can go to my match, right? So my first yeah, match yeah. was against Dave. Where I lost. Tell us how you lost as well. So I, my first match, I played Dave in game one, lost to the Devilish Valet's trample. Uh, game uh, two. You should clarify when you say you played Dave. It's not really that uh, specific in this circumstance. Yeah, host Dave. Well, you guys are hosts too. Like, okay. Well, that Dave that just talked. I don't know what else to call you. 
Unsuperior Dave. Say maybe refer to the one who won as Superior Dave, but well, I I haven't talked about you yet, so I don't know what to call other. I can't call him other Dave because we call you other Dave. Anyway, yeah, and then game two and three, I took. I was more focused on keeping back uh, in a Jongo land that uh, destroys target attacking creature for the other two games. He never did draw a devilish valet in those two games, but I was going to kill it if it attacked. So in those games, my whole point of my deck was to get Boozlager Stash, make a bunch of tokens, turn them into creatures, then alt the Halo Fountain, which if you untap 15 tapped creatures, you win the game. So the beautiful part is that when you, the way that combat... I was going to say, you were violently misplaying the Ijongo in that matchup. Violently? Uh, What do you mean? Violently. You left mana open every turn. Mm-hmm. Even at the end of his turn, when you could have sacrificed those tokens and turned them into creatures. Well, um, so the Devilish and, Valet and has haste. Yourself. I was worried that he was going to lay it down, so I left mana open for the... But at the at the end of his turn, you could have gotten rid of the mana. You still didn't need to hold it at the end of his turn. Well, usually I would make creatures. And and honestly, with playtesting the deck, it didn't matter if I had creatures out. It, it just mattered if you reached that 15 I, threshold. I guess it... I guess you can make them whenever you want. Yeah, and I might have needed it for other things on my turn because the second game I was quite mana screwed and I had to really try to use my treasure tokens effectively. But either way, the cool thing about Halo Fountain Alt is that the way combat works is that you get to declare attacker's step and then there's a declare blocker's step. So when you declare your 15 attackers, before it even goes to blockers, you can activate the Halo Fountain to untap your 15 creatures. In playtesting, I figured out as long as I got 15 creatures on the board at the end of the other person's turn, then come my turn, I could ult the Halo Fountain. Because initially you see it and you're like, oh, if they survive combat, but you don't even have to do that. It's just declare blocker step or right before the declare blocker step is when you ult the Halo Fountain. I was able to do that twice in the next two games. And then I guess I'll talk about the bloodbath that was (laughs) the superior Dave. Uh, Before we go on to talking about the the last game, I I do want to say that I was very impressed that you were able to get the Halo Fountain off once, uh, let alone twice. Well, thank you. Didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen either. I honestly wasn't sure it was going to happen, to be clear. All right, so I played other Dave, Superior Dave. I guess I'm honor-bound to call him that from now on. Until until we beat him. We could crown him the king. In both of those games, I did not... It was. It seemed like I was one and a half turns away from winning both games. So that just shows that Halo Fountain probably isn't the most efficient way to win in a deck, I guess. Too combo intensive, too dependent on having key pieces, and also a ridiculous amount of mana, which I was making, to be fair. When you have people pressuring you with 30, 2-2 hasty cats, then it kind of makes it tough to get that, those pieces off. I, in that first match, I was really shocked. Because I, I know the creatures are your win con, but like when I attacked with those 10 cats and you only blocked one of them, I was like, oh, that's a mistake. Like <laughs> Even if you, know, you needed the other creatures to get to your win con, you were at that point in the game, you were making creatures faster than I was. Well, at that point when I didn't block all your cats, I was I would have had to block with like a Zorn, which was making me double treasure tokens, or my Gallagreeters, which was making treasure tokens that then got doubled by Zorn. 
I don't remember the exact specifics, but there was a reason I just took it because I was making, I was gaining a lot of life. I knew I couldn't outrace you because you just went too wide too fast. So I thought if I can hit sustain, sustain this hit and then keep going and make it one more turn, then I could fire off my stuff, which didn't end up working because life doesn't matter when you're using halo fountain, your life total doesn't matter. Right. So, but, but your life total matters when there's 10 cats coming to your face. Yeah, sure. But again, <laughs> I took the hit and it was okay for a turn. Basically, my point is that it would have the outcome would have been the same if I would have blocked and not had my citizen creature tokens next turn. Uh, then you, I would have lost anyway. You would have been okay for a turn if not for the cabaretty charm. I uh, yeah, one game yeah, one game I could have took lethal and then altered the next turn. But then yeah, you cabaretty charmed him and gave him what plus one plus one all your creatures, which then put me at negative three. Oh uh, yeah. I know I lost, and I know my deck is inferior, but I was actually surprised that I was just a turn and a half away. Sure, make your defeat about how good your deck was. No, it wasn't yeah. good. I'm, t- I'm saying it wasn't good. But uh-huh. it, it, if it just, I would think that it would take some tweaking and maybe some more removal, and then it might be worth it to throw Halo Fountain in there. But again, I'd rather go your route of your deck because it's actually mm-hmm. <laughs> actually viable, I'd say. As always, removal is key. I put six instances of two and a cost removal in there. Again, I knew I was going to be late game. I knew I needed to get that far. I knew I needed to be able to interact early with what you were playing. That helped out a lot, being able to keep from getting overrun. Yeah, it was fun. Very much. I um, I just want to go over some things that I appreciated. Like how our deck, our, like we were all trying to accomplish some real goals but our decks ended up being uh, slightly different. And I wanted to maybe have you guys pick out a card that you thought was a key player in your strategy, besides the combo pieces, obviously, you thought really worked to your advantage and maybe talk Uh, about it. I actually don't want to talk about one of my cards, but I want to talk about one of Ben's cards. Yeah, we can do it for each other. Which name I can't think of right now. The, the, I was just thinking about it. It's not Dockside Chef, but he does the Dockside Chef effect. I almost said Death Skullport Merchant. Skullport Merchant. Yep. Just allowed you to dig so much and come back so many times when I thought you were falling apart. Because that one match against the second match against me, I think it was, when you mulliganed down real far and only had two land, I was like, oh, this is, he's going to be out of this. (laughs) And then, like, four turns into it, you Skullport Merchant and drew, like, six cards. And I was like, what the yeah, so Skullport Merchant is a one black, two colorless, one four creature dwarf citizen. When he enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. You pay one and a black, sacrifice another creature or treasure, draw a card. So essentially, in the turn he was talking about, I would pay the two mana with treasure tokens and then sack another treasure token and then draw a card. So I did that like six times because I had like 20 treasure tokens that were being doubled by Zorn. You can dig pretty far with that. Yeah, you, you went from nothing in your hand to a full grip in one turn, and I was like, oh, you might be turning this around on me. <laughs> yeah, was, I think it's a good card for this, if you're making a bunch of treasures. And then I'll talk Very about nice. a card that Dave used. We already used the Proctor, right? Yeah. The other one, the Paladin class, including the Paladin class in your deck, was like sneaky. This is, <laughs> this is uh, to be clear, this is other Dave that was deck we're talking about. Yeah, Superior about. Dave's deck. Sorry. At first glance, you're like, why is that in a treasure token deck? But the passive buff that you get on level two to buff all the creatures, and then the double striking one where you can choose an attacking creature, 
and give a double strike, I thought was a really nice inclusion. Yeah, um, he took me well, out like the second game with a double striking flyer that I couldn't block. So that was nice. A, a very effective card when you're going wide. Definitely a, a MVP of your deck. Yeah, because those two two cats turn into three three cats, and that's <laughs> that's worse when you have twenty of them. Yeah, because again, normally if you have twenty of anything, it doesn't matter if they're one one or whatnot. It's doing a lot of damage and game ending, right? But when we're both making a ton of creatures and it's no not trample damage, then those extra points on the five ones that you can't block is five more damage that you're taking, which is a problem, right? And also leaves them plus your ones alive. aren't fine. Yeah, yeah, they're alive where the other ones die, so you're not trading anymore. So yeah, it's very. A very good card for that particular challenge. Yes. Like, I was trying to make sure that I wasn't losing the early game because I was so, so much of my combo was late game. And so Paladin class, the the original reason I really included it is just that level one where your stuff was going to cost one more in my turn to try and prevent some removal from taking me out. And then mm-hmm. that part never really became relevant. Yeah, because we didn't play things on your turn mostly. But yeah, it was it was really um, good. Like when I saw your deck, I was like, "What? He's not adhering to the rules of the bootleggers?" Because it you know was slow to come out. But then when it hit, I was like, "Oh, okay, actually." Because it's important to note that whenever you just tap a land, you pay one for a two-two cat. Because like bootlegger stacks makes you tap for a treasure token or allows you to tap for a treasure token. And then Jenny Faye makes it so that if any token comes into play, you can choose to make it a 2-2 cat instead. So when you tap for one mana, you get a 2-2 cat that's been buffed by Paladin class for 3-3. The value there is insane. And when you have Zorn, you're getting two 3-3 cats. Right. One tap plan. Yep. Yeah, I think that other Dave's deck could actually be something you play in standard. Did you have a a card that you like, Dave? A key creature that I had put in my deck was the Goldspan Dragon. Yeah. And I think that the amount of mana I was able to produce from that creature's ability to double mana from from treasure tokens really let me, like, lay down, once I got them, combo pieces pretty quickly. Yeah, because it gives your treasures the ability to tap, sacrifice, and add two mana of any color. Yeah, so you're... You're casting like a bootleggers with free treasure tokens. Yeah, if only Fireball or, was yeah. standard legal. Would have so won. <laughs> it was a nice 4 4 flyer, too, that generated a token every time it attacked. So Or became the target of a spell or ability. Or, yeah. <sighs> only drew that. Like, I think I only had one of those on, like, for one game. Yeah, um, it was against me. I had the gold span out. Should have put more in my deck. Or maybe I should have just played better. Overall, what do you think you got from this challenge? Anything you learned or some key takeaways? Focus on removal when you're building a, a deck. <laughs> it's important. Removal is key. Always. And the challenges are fun. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. I'm not a brewer, so to speak. I didn't win. I had a lot of fun putting it together. And, you know, when the combo goes off, it's really nice to see it go off. And other Dave really taught me to uh, think about the meta. See, that's why you, the trick to getting better at magic is to play people who are better than you. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll do some challenges in the future. I'm not sure next week, maybe, if we come up with a good one. Yeah, maybe we'll sit around and think about a good one and announce it next week on the podcast. Um, anyways, why don't we give a rundown uh, of where we can find people on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at BeNiceMPG, like Magic Proving Grounds. 
and on Twitch under the same name. Ah, see, it only took three episodes to get me to sign up for a, a Twitter account. So now you can find me on Twitter at Dave MPG. That way you know which Dave it is if you've seen yes, him floating I'm around. Twitter Dave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I had, that's I had to start calling you back. Just Twitter Dave. Twitter. He tweets. Uh, I had to get one. I, I kept checking the, the show feed and kept seeing Ben running his mouth about the challenge. So I had to <laughs> sign up for an account to put him in his place. And Twitter was better without you. That's just really mean, man. It was just easy to run my mouth. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't feel right yelling at him from the show show account. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. You look like you're talking to yourself, basically. You can also visit our website, which is currently under construction. But right now, it just links to the RSS feed. It's magicprovinggrounds.com. You can check out our Twitch channel at Magic Proving Grounds. Uh, we will be, I think, doing our challenges there if they're possible to be streamed. And then... Yep. Maybe I'll pop on there and stream from there, or at least it'll host my personal Twitch, one or the other. I don't know. But yeah, go ahead and add that one. And then also the Twitter, at Magic Proving Grounds. Or sorry, at MPG Pod. Magic Proving Grounds is too long of a user game for Twitter. It's a microblogging site, man. Not a journal. You keep it short. Yeah, and... Anyways. Well, if you have any suggestions for challenges... You can send in emails at show at magicprovinggrounds.com. We'll take a look at them. We like them. We might feature them. Be a good idea. Exactly. See you all uh, next week. You sound sleepy. What are the only podcasts? Uh, oh, yeah. What podcast? is our intro bit this week? The only podcast that calls Urza Daddy. <laughs> mm, I am not on the Urza Daddy train. <laughs> You're not a fan of Daddy Urza. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Urza in general. Is he a daddy? What do? You, what? No. You know, like <laughs> a daddy. Oh, that kind of daddy. Was that yeah, before, that after he was what's, a severed head? What's the uh, the new old man term for it? Zaddy. It was zaddy. zaddy. <laughs> Is that like Limp Biscuit now? Zaddies? I believe it's like Jeff Goldblum. Oh, is Jeff Goldblum's a zaddy? Yeah, I, he refers to himself as a zaddy in, in a lot of his interviews. So, I think ah. that, what, does, what does that even mean? Uh, like daddy in that way, but as a grandpa, not as a like an older, <laughs> an older sexual daddy. Like, uh, what are you doing, step zaddy? <laughs> <laughs> the uh the dictionary.com definition for zaddy a sexually attractive man who is older one who is especially fashionable or charismatic that describes jeff goldblum like 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. it definitely describes urza in a jar that urza is yeah sexually attractive fashionable and charismatic <laughs> and old yeah, because all he can do is listen to you talk. It's very attractive. He's a really good listener. <laughs> right.